Welcome to Perfectly Planted. I'm your co-host, Bessie Mae Schering. I'm so excited for you all to be here with us today. If it's your first time joining us, welcome. We love that you're here. And if you're an avid fan and have been joining us and part of our community, welcome back. We love having you here. Daphne, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bessie I'm doing well. How are you? I, I'm doing great. And I know there's been lots of things going on in your world recently, um, especially this past week. Would you like to share a little bit about that with us? Absolutely. Uh, so I was uh, at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine this week, which was hosted in Washington, D.C., so I didn't have far to travel. Yeah. And it was um, it's an amazing international event put on by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and the uh, George Washington University School of Medicine. So it was a packed audience. We had a room full of people like you and I um, from multiple disciplines, and the the guest speakers were just incredible. So we had Dr. Dean Ornish spoke to us. We wow. had Dr. Alan Desmond from the UK. We had Dr. Cyrus Kambada and Robbie Barbero from Mastering Diabetes. Of course, we had Dr. Neil Bernard, but the, I mean, three full days, um, you know, Dr. Kim Williams spoke yesterday, but it was three days of looking at evidence-based practice related to eating a plant-based lifestyle and how that can help you prevent disease, reverse disease, or manage disease. And it was incredible. And one last thing that I'll be quiet. We also were able to, so the great thing I love about these conferences are all of the foods are plant-based. So you get to try a lot of new things and uh, PCRM has released a whole new series of meals called universal meals. And the benefit of universal meals is that they have been designed to remove a lot of the most common allergens. but we got to try them during the lunch and breakfast. And so it was just also three days of good food. Oh, awesome. Those are some big names that you rattled off. That's, I bet your cup is pretty full from that. Uh, my heart is full. Yeah. <laughs> cup I of mean, lentils is very full. <laughs> you leave those meetings and you're just energized. Um, Every time. Yeah. And I always learn something new. So, you know, a little nugget to help that we can share with the people listening and watching, and then also nuggets that I can share with people that I'm coaching. Yeah. And then um, what about this? I know that we were having a sidebar conversation. You um, have become an ambassador for uh, another another uh, organization. You want to tell us a little bit about that? That would, thank you for the the lead in. Um, So I don't know if any of our listeners or viewers have heard of a company called A Billion. And let me just share my screen for a minute. You shared it with me, Daphne, and I thought it was really, really cool. It it is really cool. So um, I have been following this company and their CEO for a few years. Whoa, wrong screen. And uh, the um, Abillion is an organization that is dedicated to using technology to connect communities and to 
allow us, you know, just the way we use social platforms for Instagram or other types of social media. What's different about a billion is that when you post content, whether it's a review of a product or if you're reviewing restaurants or you're writing a social post, that those every post generates a dollar and all of those dollars can be donated to community partners that work with a billion. And so the fundamental principle behind the organization and the why I, you know, my why for first of all, following them, and then secondly, becoming an ambassador, is that they really are focused on compassion, social responsibility, and sustainability. Um, I had the opportunity to actually speak with the CEO back in July before I became an ambassador, and um, just a wonderful person who you know, started his career in a completely different industry and now really has focused his time and efforts on building a team that can work on this concept of using technology to create a platform to connect people to socially responsible missions. Uh, So I was excited. I am excited to participate. I would welcome all of you who may be interested to look at the Abillion app, um, download it to your phone, If you'd like to consider uh, actually making referrals or making posts, uh, please feel free to use the referral code that's scrolling across the screen. But um, it's also a great opportunity to introduce products and foods to people who are already plant-based and then to help provide resources for those who are exploring a plant-based lifestyle. That's amazing. Yeah. And the referral code for those of you who may not be seeing the screen is Daphne B. Daphne with a capital D and B with a capital B. I don't know if that matters, but sometimes the capitalization does. So yeah, check it out. A billion. That's so cool. It is pretty cool. They And their goal is to connect a billion people. And I hope so, they do that soon. I do too. I do too. Yeah. And for the very reasons that we are having this conversation today, Um, Thanks for letting me talk a little bit about a billion, but why don't we talk about one meal a day for the planet? Yeah, so Daphne, you're right. It's been a while since we've talked. Um, We've had a couple guests, which have been amazing to talk to. But going back to episode 23, we started the first part of OMD. That's Susie Amon Cameras's. Sorry. I think I combined both of of her names. Susie Amos Cameron. OMD is the book. We covered the first part, which really focused on your health. The second part of the book really focused on the impact on the planet that changing just one meal a day has. And, you know, it's it doesn't go unnoticed with the amount of climate change we've had, the flooding in Kentucky, the ridiculous storms that we've had um, across the country, across the country and across the world. And so today our focus really is on that, on what impact, if you just change one meal a day, what the impact would be on not only your health, but the planet. Um, and so for those of you who may have missed the first part where we did talk about the benefits of health, I encourage you to go to episode 23. Um, you can go through on our blog or on any uh, podcast platform 
I do want to make a note that it's perfectly planted. And when you're searching for our names, um, when you're, it's perfectly as it's spelled, but planted, make sure you put that at sign at the, instead of the A, um, that's where you'll find us. So I know lots of people have been asking where it is. Um, and just that at sign is the, is the key. So hopefully you'll remember that. But Daphne, the weather has been nuts. And like I mentioned, it's just been kind of crazy um, with, uh, the floodings and, you know, the heat waves and just various change, maybe no rain in some countries as well. Um, and it, it's really no surprise that, that this has impacted us globally as well. No, you're right. That's me. And I mean, disclaimer, number one, we are not experts in right. the environment and climate change, but in preparing for this conversation and reading this book and other resources, and, and even you know my own interest in nutrition and the global food supply, um, there are a lot of impacts that I'm hoping our listeners and viewers are aware of, but if not, wanted to touch on just a few. Uh, first of all, as it relates to the climate, um, India's climate change in particular is impacting the grain supply which is a major source of grain for other countries like Africa. And I know that there are probably skeptics of climate change listening, and I don't know if the widespread events and the weather this summer will change their opinion of those who are believers or who are not believers. But if you look at, uh, if you read the OMD, um, the One Meal a Day book by Susie Amos Cameron, that there's a great summary of what climate change will look like and a lot of what Susie had spoken about and written about in the book, we're actually seeing manifest on a global basis today. So add the, to the challenges of India's harvest that's related to the changes in the climate, to what's happening in the Ukraine mm -hmm. and the impact on the food supply globally, it's worrisome. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as I read more about that and I follow uh Danny Nirenberg on the food tank, it makes me anxious because there are already enough people in the world who aren't eating a healthful meal. Mm -hmm. But the last thing, then I'll be quiet because I could talk about this forever, is when we think about you know some of the things that we're reading about, some of the things we talked about in episode 23, if we diverted some of the grains that we that actually go to feed animals. To feeding people, mm -hmm. what impact would that have on global hunger? Um, so again, I'm not an expert in the field, but I think this just makes sense to me. And I'll include a link in the blog post to an article I found that was actually written back in 2018 that discusses this very topic that, you know, if we focus less on feeding the animals to provide animal protein and focused on feeding, you know, using those grains and other foods to feed people, that we could have a significant impact on global hunger. Yeah. No, I mean, it's such an important topic because I don't think that we really understand <laughs> the impact that it has because this has really been socially and culturally ingrained in our, in who we are, that we need meat. And, and taking a step further 
you know, other countries, and again, this isn't, I'm not quoting anybody, but their perception is really that Americans are the ultimate consumer of all things, all things. If you think about it, I mean, everything is always trying to get us to consume um, and purchase and buy. And I feel as though it's like that more is better approach. And that's not necessarily true. Um, You know, more meat, more this, more that. And I know that, you know, our, though our focus is on the planet, um, I, I, I do want to take a step back because I think the main reason that people resist anything is because they think that they're not going to get protein if they just eat, you know, whole food, plant-based food. So I'm going to ask the doctor. <laughs> now, again, this is not medical advice, but, you know, Daphne, I guess I get that off to t- off often. Like, how do I know I get enough protein if I'm just eating, you know, vegetables and some beans, you know, what, what is it, you know, and, and I've seen so many things where every food that we have has protein, right? Exactly. Show us those guns. So let's debunk that myth. Uh, Sorry, Vesemi. I'm, I'm chuckling because I know I get the same question. I have Um, bicep envy now though. (laughs) (laughs) You've got, you've got awesome arms. Not as awesome as yours, but I'm working there. I'm getting there. You're, yeah. Believe me, I've seen you in some of those sleeveless dresses, and you look great. <laughs> so, first of all, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of reasons that people choose to adopt a plant-based lifestyle. It could be for their health, animal welfare, for the environment, like we're talking about today, or a combination of all of the above. And that's kind of been the evolution that I've taken over the past several years. But the while we're focusing on the environment today, I do want to answer your question because it, it does seem to be a significant barrier for people to think about adding more plants to their plate. Even if they don't want to fully adopt a plant-based lifestyle, our motto is add more plants to your plate. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, and I've never met an American that is protein deficient. Um, True. So... <laughs> First of all, um, let me reassure everyone that if you're eating beans, legumes, grains, vegetables, you will be consuming, if you're getting enough calories, you'll be getting enough protein. And on average, and again, this is there is a spectrum. If you're a bodybuilder or if you're in a sport that has a high demand for protein, these numbers may be, a, you may have a different target that you're trying to achieve. But on average, a woman needs about 50 grams of protein a day, and the average male in the United States needs about 60 grams of protein. And you know, I was looking, I made some oatmeal with some hemp seeds, some flax and chia, some oat milk, um, and added in a scoop of protein powder. And in one meal, I already had 20 grams of protein. So 20 plus grams of protein. So those targets are completely achievable. And even if you doubled the goal for women and was trying to get to 100 grams a day, you can achieve that with a good mix of beans, legumes, vegetables. Um, So to debunk the myth, you can get enough protein on a plant-based lifestyle. And if you don't believe me, you can watch the Game Changers movie, or you can talk to a number of professional athletes. Well, you can follow them. I don't know if you can talk to them. Uh, Whether you're thinking about Serena Williams or you're thinking of uh, 
Patrick Baboumian, who is the strongest man in the world, or, I mean, just the number of professional athletes that are performing at the highest level who are following a plant-based diet is amazing. And it's a combination of the benefits both to their fitness and their ability to achieve their athletic goals. And part of the contributor to that is recovery. And I I was thinking about it today because I did a 16-mile run yesterday and ran five miles this morning. Um, And I mean, I really noticed that my recovery is so much better than now that I've been following a plant-based lifestyle Mm -hmm. than it was when I was eating my chicken and fish out of my little baggie in my pocket um, back when I was doing bodybuilding. Um, Last thing, and I I know you didn't expect me to drone on about this. No, no, I I love it. I learn Uh, something new each time, Daphne. I I just want to make sure that we share that even if you even if you choose to eat animal protein, and um, and, and that includes beef, chicken, pork, fish, um, there are some data that we want to make sure you're aware of, and we'll include it in our blog post. But the World Health Organization has classified processed meats, which include ham, bacon, salami, hot dogs, as a group one carcinogen. And that means that these substances have demonstrable evidence and are known to cause cancer. Red meat, such as beef, lamb, and pork, has also been classified as a group 2A carcinogen, which means it has a probably causes cancer. So there are some evidence-based reasons from a health perspective to add more plants to your plate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to make sure that we balance the opportunity to educate our community with both the health reasons, the environmental reasons, and the reasons related to reducing animal cruelty. Mm -hmm. No, that's all. It's so important. And I think that the, the fact that a lot of our foods that we have that are easy, easy to go to food. So, I mean, I've given my kids hot dogs before, you know, I mean, it's the, the fact that, you know, the world health organization has classified that as, you know, group one, uh, is, you know, it's kind of scary, you know, that we, and there's, and that's not just, that it's everything else that's processed as well that really impacts our health. And so, um, although we feel as though, you know, especially for children, so my, my boys, you know, they're, they're going to burn it off. They're going to burn it off. It's, that's not something that they can burn off. You know, yes, you burn the calories off, but all of the other junk that's, you know, tied to processed meats is not something that you burn off. It's actually harboring in your body. And so, um, so anyway, it's not that I will never give them a hot dog ever again, but it's one of those things where just start to, uh, you know, replace it with something else. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been doing. And that's, I think that's what this book is completely tied to. So instead of spaghetti with meat sauce, just do spaghetti and sauce, you know, or if you want a little bit more texture, I've leveraged lentils to give that texture of a meat. I mean, I think there's other things like tofu and other, other forms ground up, um, chickpeas as well, but I have personally have not tried those. Um, but just lentils, just getting that extra meatiness, you can, you can achieve that not from me. Um, and it's easy to do, but just one of the things I wanted to point out, um, 
So here's some statistics that are stated in OMD um, in the book. And so I'm just going to preface to say in the past, I used to really crave a good burger. I mean, it would just be like, I kind of want a burger, a fries. I mean, not often, but once in a while, it's like, I just want a burger. Well, let's just say that you have a burger once a week. I did not have a burger once a week. I will say that. I just that was, That's a lot to me, but some people do. Okay. So we're not here to judge or anything. So let's just say you have a burger a week, you and a friend, right? And um, eliminating that one burger and substituting it with something over the course of a year, that would be an eight ounce burger. You would have saved, this is according to OMD, 904 miles of driving, three quarters acre of land. So under an acre of land and 48,100 gallons of water, which is actually there to help the, it is given to the cows. So imagine that. And that's just you and a friend not eating a burger a week. Can you imagine that multiplying that on scale? Um, and we're not even accounting for the grain that that cow consumes, assuming they're not grass fed. So that's just astonishing to me that you know, you would have that much of an impact just by eliminating one. And that's pretty much the, the whole theme of this book is just, <laughs> just one of your meals. I'm not saying that you have to, and I don't think either of us are saying that you have to eliminate all animal protein for every single meal, just do one meal. So, you know, for example, for my kids, and cause, cause I can control what I eat and I do overnight oats, I'll do vegan protein shakes. I have a lot of choices, but for my kids, particularly, I just want to make sure that one of their meals is more plant-based and has no animal factors in it. And so it would be, you know, oatmeal in the morning as opposed to scrambled eggs. Um, or for dinner, it would be the spaghetti and sauce not mm -hmm. meat sauce. And they're perfectly fine with it. You know, it's amazing how they don't really miss it. And I think it's just more of us thinking, oh, oh no, you need, you know, you need meat going back to that whole, whole culture issue. It, it, so that's amazing. Some of the statistics in this book really, I mean, I'll be honest, I was ignorant. Um, I didn't realize the impact at all. And it's funny because I don't miss beef burgers. I made, I actually made sweet potato and black bean burgers yesterday mm -hmm. and, you know, put pickles, put some ketchup yeah. mustard on them, add a tomato. And mm -hmm. in reality, I, I don't notice the difference. And I know some people will say that's baloney, but I am finding that a really hearty plant-based burger is just as satisfying because a lot of the flavor with the burger are the condiments and the spices and right. not necessarily the meat Actual itself. meat. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. But the, you know, some other statistics, and I, I want to read these to make sure I don't get it wrong is, you know, according to OMD, eating one plant-based meal a day, and just to reiterate what you said, can save almost 200,000 gallons of water, almost 780 pounds of carbon emissions, in eating two plant-based meals a day. So thinking about your breakfast with your oatmeal, which is really, you know, that's an easy one. So easy. And then lunch, maybe you have uh, a chickpea tuna sandwich as opposed to a, a real tuna sandwich, or instead of your salami sandwich, you have uh, maybe some homemade seitan. Uh, but that will save almost 389,000 gallons of water and 1,500 pounds of carbon emissions. Yeah. So you know, the, 
the really neat thing that I found, and I actually reread parts of the book again in preparation for today's podcast, was, you know, in her book, she describes a flower. And at the center of the flower is are either the factors that can impact the planet or the lifestyle decisions that can positively impact the planet. But in OMD, you, there's a description of the OMD flower where the petals are the areas of impact, whether it's to slow climate change, to replant forests, to protect biodiversity, to clean the oceans, or to have fresh and safe water. So if you have a copy of the book, you can look at page 68 where some of this is described, but it really is a very graphical illustration of just some very easy levers we can pull to have a positive impact on our environment. Yeah. And again, I think that it's absolutely, it's doable. One, just one meal a day, maybe start with one meal a day and then grow into two meals a day. And that just has a more compounded, right? It's like that whole, um, the, the theory of compounding numbers across time and across multiples, it's just, it'll have a profound impact. And I think overall we would see, uh, the less of carbon emissions, less, of, you know, the whole grain production and everything else that's tied to it, less water, um, will just have an ultimately better, um, I'm sure we will see a climate change. Um, if not, it's definitely won't get any worse. It may just stay the same, but, um, again, we're not, we're no experts on it. I just know that the impact on it is, will absolutely change. And I know we talked a lot about this because in our culture, <laughs> We, we are just, you know, we, we have it in us that we need meat. And so we're just trying to change the focus a little bit, add more veggies to your plate. I mean, I got to a point where in dinner I thought, okay, I have, you know, a whole plate of delicious vegetables, some quinoa, and then I have like one chicken tender. It's like, why do I even need that chicken tender? You know? So it's just slowly eliminating it. And that's essentially how, you know, I became more whole food plant-based as well. Um, so I did want to mention one more thing, um, and that is really when you are, uh, we will have an upcoming blog post, but when you are going shopping, um, we encourage you to actually, and this is mentioned in the book as well, shop at your local farmer's market, mm -hmm. support them. It's better to give them the dollar than the big grocery store chains um, because then they can reinvest that and grow even more. And that just gives us more options um, and and availability as well. And so I know that where I am, they do farm fresh boxes that can be delivered directly to your door. That's an option or once a week visit your farmer's market, or if you don't do that. Some of the, some of the grocery chains near me have a corner that's all locally grown produce. And so a lot of that goes towards them as well. The proceeds go towards them. And so that's something that I've been gearing towards and changing the shift as opposed to just shopping at the big grocery stores, as convenient as they are, it's always nice to support our local um, farmers. So with that, Daphne, as we wrap today, I just want to ask you, what seedling of positivity do you have to share with our viewers and listeners today? Oh, first of all, thank you. Uh, I mean, I am blessed to be here. And I probably just want to close with two comments and follow up to today's conversation. One, we acknowledge that many people may not act, have access to a big grocery store, a farmer's market. So if you're shopping at the dollar store or you're shopping at your local, uh, you know, save a lot, 
I would still encourage you to add more plants, whether it's from frozen fruits and vegetables or even canned fruits and vegetables. Our goal is adding more plants to our plate. And I I think that Vesame also touched on another important thing, which is we vote with our pocketbook. So if we are sending the message that we want more plant-based products or we want more fresh fruits and veggies, hopefully that will become manifest as the market forces start to see that demand. And you know, one thing we found is that the retail market for plant-based foods is currently $7 billion, which is up from $5.5 billion in, in 2019. So the cause is multifactorial. Um, I know that there are also a lot of, I want to say less healthy plant-based options that are coming onto the market. And we'll touch on these in a future conversation too. But there are lots of ways that you can add more plants to your plate with the goal being to reduce the impact, the negative impact on animals. So reduce animal cruelty, have a positive impact on our environment and have a positive impact on your health. Eating more plants will touch, will, you know, check the box on all three. So once again, thank you for taking the time to join us for another Sunday Seedling. If you're enjoying Sunday Seedlings, please feel free to share with your family or friends. If you are can like or subscribe to our YouTube or our Facebook, that will help allow us to share this live stream and our podcast and our blog with other listeners. We hope to hear from you um, to see how we can better support you on your health journey. In the meantime, be well, and we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Take care.